you're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is the podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chewy Side 55, Carlos Fonseca, and Brian Reeves. Hey. How you doing? All right. Been a couple weeks. Uh, we had the off week with the uh, all-star race, so we skipped one, and uh, here we're, we're back. So let's jump right into it. First off, uh, Indy 500. Ah, uh, boy. I'll start out, I guess, with my race. With the Indy 500, I finished P11. Uh, I wrecked out at lap 138, actually, and still finished 11th. Uh, basically, I got too loose on low gas. Uh, when I was running out of gas at the end of the run, it was just, it finally got, I don't know if it was the combination of the rubber down later in the race. And then no fuel, but that sucker was loose, loose, loose. And I spun off once, came around another lap, spun it again, and put it in the wall. So it was done. But I wasn't the only one. Uh, Two-thirds of the field actually wrecked out before halfway uh, in that running that I, I did on the Indy 500. It's a total wreck fest. Uh, all you had to do is survive to get a top 10, really. And that's what happened. Everyone who survived, uh, there was only 10 left after I wrecked out. So, uh, what'd you, did you guys run the 500? I ended up doing one. You did one? What'd you yeah. get? Well, 19 two laps down. There's the first, first car lap down, actually. I was 18 cars in the lead lap. Terrible setup. I wouldn't say terrible. Just not fast enough. Yeah. That was my problem. It was a setup, and I didn't know how to change it as the track changed. I, and so I kind of lost the car. I don't really care about the handling. It's just the fact that it wasn't quick enough. Didn't stay you had too much downforce or... in it, or what? Well, it was that, and it just kept scrubbing speed off too much. I don't know what the problem But you can tell which ones had a good set and which ones didn't. Right. Well, after the event, iRacing did release some stats uh, about the race. 1,449 drivers did compete. That is a 22% increase compared to last year. I'm like, wow, that's a big difference. What? Why? I wonder why. Why did we get 22% more? No idea. Uh, some other stats they released were... 331 drivers did two races, 100 did three, 20 did all four. Third, that, leaves, that makes 31% of drivers did more than one of the Indy 500s. I should try to do two, and that's only going to 
do one this year. Yeah, I only got one in. And not been able to finish because I couldn't keep up with the set uh, with changing the car. You know, I didn't really feel like doing another one either. I'd say overall a good event, though. Uh, it was a good turnout. Well, the race I was in was a pretty good race because not very many cautions. And if they were, they were just single car spins. Right. Well, before we jump into NIS, uh, any dirt news? What did you guys run any dirt? I haven't. Negative. I asked my yep. stepdaughter if she wanted to try dirt, and she said no. Just <laughs> never had time for dirt. Or I would have. I, I tell you, you know, it's all about the dirt license. I'd be running it if I had a dirt license, but... I think they really dropped the ball on this without the dirt license. Uh, it's either that or nothing. Because well, they're people gonna, complaining that it was, you know, they kept pushing it back. So they kind of rushed them. They should have just waited. Me, I really don't care. By the time they just... get the license out, whenever that will be, and that could be a year or longer from now, who knows? You know, the, all the momentum is gone, you know. No, even then there still wasn't, you know, heaps of people racing it. First day, really. Right. Even that's what the problem is, not enough people per split. So it keeps some higher, I rate the guys away, always end up with the one car. Which yeah, now there's not, time. yeah, there's not enough participation now to even get a, a decent field, you know. They need to, like, people in forums need to get together and, I don't know, create something, I get, Get a petition going or something. Well, I think they're working on it, but. All right, well, let's jump into NASCAR iRacing series. We went to Charlotte. And, uh. I ran with uh, Tyler Conroy, our teammate, in the Coke 600, and boy, that is a long, long race. Four hours and ten minutes, I think, our split took. Uh, congrats to my teammate Tyler, who won that event. It was a second split. He led the most laps. Uh, he was consistently fast all throughout the run. Um, and he wins a significant full-length signature event. Um, it's his first 600-mile uh, oval start, too. It was the longest race he's ever been in as far as oval. Um, and, boy, he was pumped, I tell you what. Kind of makes me wonder how I would have done. So you didn't run it, Carlos. What was your reasoning there? Too long? Yeah, I'm not racing their mouth. That's not very fun. You've done it before, though. Oh, yeah. I'm three last year. So the two in front of me were like 60-some hundred I rating. Last year, now this year, I just didn't feel like it, really. 
But after Certainly watching, a time commitment, yeah. yeah. After watching Tyler run that, though, I kind of wanted to, because if he did well there, then I probably would have done about the same. Or maybe not, because I'd probably just in the higher speed. But hell, yeah. I was watching the lap times and qualifying times, and I was about same, if not quicker. And the fixed, at least, and eh, I just didn't have time. So, when I ran it, uh, with Tyler there, I finished seventh, actually. I ran as high as second, so we were running first and second for a while there. That was pretty cool as a team. Uh, I was sliding through pit road box every freaking time there for the first half of the race. I don't know what it was. Uh, it was just so slick getting on the pit road and then just coming into my box, I'd just burn through there and I'd always have to back up a little bit. Uh, and then one time I got a speeding penalty and that put me to the rear and it took me literally a hundred laps to recover from that, to get back where I was before that in the top five. Um, but I ended up seventh, uh, so I'll take it, you know. That was a good run for me. And so after Tyler won the first uh, race of the week, he got the bug for the win, uh, and he started. He, he kept trying. So uh, he ran the fixed uh, on the next day. Uh, they wrecked right in front of him, and he was dominating. Uh, they had a 260-lap green flag run. Uh, but apparently, uh, he got taken out while looked like he was going to win it. And then later in the week, he actually did win again. Uh, and he won twice in the same week. Uh, so he, it was the afternoon Saturday race. He won that as well. So, uh, very impressive. How did Jose run? He ran pretty good i think if i recall i think he got an eighth or something like that yeah i don't remember and i don't think uh brad run brian you didn't run you've been busy with your boats yep that and this just 600 miles is such a time commitment i just i didn't have time this week it is i was going to talk about that a little bit i mean the regular race distances of two to two and a half hours, that fits into people's lives and schedules pretty well. But boy, when you do the four to four and a half hours, that makes a big difference. You know, the people on the East Coast, like Jose, he's telling me, okay, it's one o'clock in the morning, I'm going to bed right now, and I have to be up at six and go to work. Yeah, that, that's the problem I have. That's, that's mostly why I don't run the later races like that, or the longer ones. I guess I'm spoiled being West Coast that, you know, it's not late at night when these races are over, but it's still, I had to go to work the next day too, you know, and it pretty much negates my entire evening from the moment I get after off work until the moment I had to go to bed. I like completely miss dinner and everything. Uh, well, I ran the open as well, uh, so I did one of each, and I got 11th on the open, so that was a good run as well, and I'll take it. Um, so 7th and 11th uh, for a, a full distance week, that's uh, gold for me. That's like a win. Just finishing a 600-mile race would be a win for me. 
Well, I had a pretty bad week and last week at Kansas, too, so. Out of all races, though, is this had to be full length. Well, luckily, there's not so many this year, so it's not going to be every week. I just rather run like a mother track for 500 miles, not 600. Well, that extra 100, that really makes a difference, too. When you get to that 500 mile mark, you're like, man, I'm tired. I wish it was over. If it was over right now, I'd take this top 10 and walk away. And But no, you got 100 miles more, you know, and you still got another 40 minutes. All right, so what else happened with NASCAR? Uh, Carlos, you can put out a track guide again. For Charlotte, yeah. And you called it tight nonsense. <laughs> oh, it is. They weren't doing so good with big sets, really, until this race. I know, that the sets have been fairly good, and then what happened? It wasn't that it was bad, it's just eight. I thought I was able to get close to a 27-0, was just ridiculous actually did hit one earlier in the week before i did the video right 27 flat but then never get back to there because you have to hit the quarter perfectly you actually have to arc outward into uh a safer barrier where it kind of juts down that comes back in one into three i guess there you have to like swing it wide and then come back down and then use like to control yourself and ridiculous yeah, one more uh, note about, I think it was Friday when we ran the Open. Matt Boley was in our race as well, and he ran the same set I ran, which was one that you gave me oh God, what earlier in the week. mistake for you. I know, it was horrible on the long run. I don't know why we didn't, I didn't practice it more and plus to I know told, that. But I said, oh, you might want to run those eight set. I know, you warned us about that right before the race started. And Jose and Brad were in the other set. Uh, and it, they had a great race, you know, they had a good run, if, if I recall. And, um, yeah, Matt ended up wrecking out, calling it a night early. I ended up, uh, barely able to hold on. I mean, it was such a challenge to hold on to that car late in the run. I think it was every, after 18 to 20 laps, it would just go south bad. I mean, it was real bad. Yep, it was the, the front tire. Wearing quite a bit more than it should be. Yeah, that's the other thing. The wear on the tires was really odd looking. Yeah, the other one would wear just right. Right front would wear first, and that's how Jose and them, their side, they had a long run. So it wasn't as fast on the opening laps as my set was, but it was a long run car. Mine wasn't. Right. Like I said before the race, I say I can barely get 10 laps in with a reasonable pace, and from there it drops like three tenths per lap. Which is unacceptable. So I guess my lesson learned there is I need to listen. Because I felt like I was confident in that set because I had practiced it for a while. But uh, I obviously didn't know what I was talking about. You even warned me about it. So I was going to say just use it for Q and that's it. Yeah, Matt and I paid the price that night for sure. Um, 
think he finished 18th, if I remember. Yeah, that's another reason why I didn't run. I just wasn't satisfied with any of the sets that I had. Right. All right, let's uh, jump in the topics. Ryan, what's up next? Well, up first we have Ray Alfala gets two in a row for the number two. We've done all. We've won all the crown jewels: Daytona, Indy, Darlington, and Charlotte. Um, Real RTS and Team Slip Angle in the Peak Antifreeze ser- series in iRacing. Yeah, Ray Alfala gets it done in the Peak series. And he's pretty proud of that, obviously. Uh, I didn't get to see the race, but saw the uh, write-up on the iRacing.com. Uh, they did a nice little story with pictures and stuff, uh, described the race. and Wait, there was a peak race? Yeah, there was a Charlotte peak race. Didn't even... Yeah, May 20th, it was... Well, this write-up was written on May 24th, so it was before that, probably the night before that. Yeah, I missed it, too. Got caught up in the holiday and stuff. I don't know, but um, but uh, I'll, fall, I'll follow up. That's victory lands him in the championship lead now, and he's leading Zelensky by seven points. And Luza is third now with Derek Bardot and Logan Clampett rounding out the top five. So good job, Clampett, still in the points. Points hunt. Yeah, sorry, I missed it. Um, I think they're racing again tonight, aren't they? Hell, I don't know. Yeah, I think they might be racing again tonight. I'll have to look for that and see if uh, I can watch it. But uh, congrats to Ray Alfala. Uh, next up, I wanted to remind people about some settings you can do on the sim to give you more information about your computer and how it's performing while you're in the sim. And... Uh, David Tucker had posted, well, actually, it was Randy Cassidy from iRacing. They posted up in a forum post that you can do this by going to My Documents, iRacing folder, open the App INI folder, App INI file using Notepad, and then scroll to the bottom. And in the Dev Use Only section, you'll find CPU meter. If you change that from equal zero to equal one, and then save the file, there'll be additional bars displayed. So you know how you have the LSQ bars? Well, it'll give you C, G, and R if you do change that. Uh, and it'll give you some additional bars that you can monitor. Now C, what that means is that's the percentage of the available time it takes your CPU to run the physics. G is the amount of time it's taking your CPU to create the scenes that are handed off to the graphics card for rendering. And R is the amount of time it takes the GPU to render the display. 
So it can if those bars are going crazy, these three new bars, that means your computer's struggling with, you know, producing what the sim is trying to do. And so it can be a troubleshooting thing. And in fact, that on the forum post that they talked about, you know, somebody was complaining about um, connection issues and stuff. And so they were saying, okay, let's turn on these extra bars and you can take a look and see if your, your computer, um, you know, processor might be the bottleneck or your GPU is the bottleneck or something like that. Here's what I don't get. I always have stutters and frame rate drops for a little bit at certain tracks. My CPU is literally only 10% used and so is the GPU. Do you have these extra bars turned on, Carlos, so you can see them? Yeah, turn that out. Separate stuff. That shows actually every individual core. Oh, you have a separate program for that? Yeah, to see if it shows, like, you know, full-on usage on one of those cores, but no, all of them are fine to us. Don't get it. My only guess can be RAM. Maybe what's causing some of these. Ram's cheap too. You can replace that pretty cheap. Yeah, it could. Bought Ram from an, another computer, so that's gonna have to wait again. Yeah, I've had this on for a while. We've talked about this a long time ago. I just wanted to bring it back up. So look in your app I and I at the bottom, find CPU meter, change that to one. That's how you get it on. Uh, the other thing that's sort of, well, it's not really related, but I want to bring up real quick. Don't forget people about the auto adjust for force feedback. If you're using force feedback on your wheel, you need to be doing this auto adjust every time you switch into a different car and track. And I jumped into Dover today and I switched, I did the auto force feedback thing. And it made a huge difference. It changed it from like 16 down to 7. And I had it at 16 probably because when I was in Indy at the Indianapolis 500. uh, It's important to do that every time so that force feedback is right. I can't stress that enough. I think a lot of people are not doing this. So how do you do it? Well, when you're in the sim, in the car after you've driven for at least 60 seconds and you go to the graphics tab function button uh, where it has the graphics settings like the mirror adjustments and stuff like that in the lower right you'll see the little word auto pop up and you click it with your mouse button it will auto adjust your force feedback based on how you ran the last 60 seconds All right, Brian, what's next? Up next, we have a Twitter post um, from NESN, and it says, when building digital cars, iRacing ensures that the sounds are just as realistic as the visuals, and here's how they do it. And they've got a nice little write-up about it, and they go through with a little video that shows you how they do it, and talking about all the microphones and how many they place in and around the cars and tracks as they're recording the sounds to get it realistic. Yeah, kind of a neat little, it, it's a great idea for a video, but I was really lacking 
good material. I mean, it was such a short video. It's like a, a, a little over a minute and a half. And I think that I just wish they would have taken it a step further and gotten more information from this guy, you know, while they had him. Yeah, I'm really interested on on more of the in-depth on, you know, how they actually capture it. I'd like to actually see video of them actually capturing sound. Right, like, let's show us, how do you mount the microphones, you know, to the car? That's what I always wonder. And, you know, how are you actually recording it, you know? What kind of devices, you know, hardware are you using? You know, is it a digital recording? Is it an analog recording? Are you mixing stuff together? You know, anyway, it's just a short, you know, face-to-face -face interview with one of the sound engineers, basically, uh, describing it briefly, you know, a brief overview of what it's about. Um, kind of a neat idea for a, a story. I'd just love it if they took it a little further. But that, you know, NESN.com is a, a sports website. And so... It's kind of neat that they're covering iRacing. They usually do about once a week. Uh, this particular article has already had over 2,000 views. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. All right, next topic is a bug that was reported in the forums. And the situation with the bug is a guy spun off near the start-finish line and got a forced toe. Instead of losing nearly a lap, he gained a big jump on the leaders and actually exited the pits after the toe as the new leader. So this is in the uh, little Mazda Cup car. What track do they always run? A lot of tracks. I'm blanking, but it's the one little road track that they run all the time uh, on the reoccurring schedule. I'm drawing a blank, but they come down the hill towards the start finish, and then if you drive off towards the trees, like if you ran off the track, and you fall into the little hole, you know, where it resets you back to the pit lane, you can gain a lap on the field somehow. That's funny. That described literally both the free tracks. I'm at point in Lime Rock. Lime Rock. That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah, so Lime Rock is the one with the problem. So at point, they both have the same description in turn one. Yep. Then go off, you're going to end up in that jump off. Yep. And, uh, and if you end up in that, if you hit that just right, you gain a lap on the field and win the freaking race. And it's happened, apparently, and people have reported it in the forums that they've lost races due to this. And uh, so Grant Rees from, so somebody posted up an actual replay uh, file, uh, and Grant Reeves reviewed it from iRacing, and uh, he wrote up in the, in, in the forum post, that's an interesting bug. It'll be fixed for sure in the upcoming season patch. Basically, you guys are managing to fall off the edge of the world just in front of the start-finish line, so race control initiates a tow that needs to add one to your lap count as it tows you forward. 
but in the one second or so of communication round trip, your clock car flies across the start finish and gets an extra one lap that the toe doesn't realize happened. So it's funny how iRacers find every little hole, every little bug. If there's a way to to find it, we'll find it. That's what's kind of funny about this. Just like real racers, man. You get find a little tiny way to sit there and get a little extra bit of speed or a little advantage, and they're going to take advantage of it. Yep. And people are now that this has been published, but uh, obviously they're going to fix it. So, all right, Brian, what's up next? Next is a big announcement. The 2017 Ford GT will be coming to iRacing, hopefully for the June build. Wow. Yeah, I was sitting here reading the the, uh, the post here, and it says, We previously, previously have announced that we will be bringing the Ferrari 488 GTE car. We did not announce, but I am happy to announce now that we have also licensed the Ford GTE car that won Le Mans this year. Uh, we are also glad to say that both cars are complete and are submitted for the manufacturer's approval. This could take a short amount of time, days, or quite a long amount of time, weeks. They could also come back wanting tweaks or with questions which could delay the process. However, we hope that this process will be done early enough for the early June build. Um, if not, we will release them upon approval. I hope uh, so. Our plan with yeah. these cars in regard for the official series is to put both cars in the IMSA series in the same class. We will take out the GT3 cars and the Porsche will stay there with the IMSA series. Yeah, now that one I don't get. Why get rid of GT3 cars? And then only two GT3. Why can't we have all of them? Oh, really? <laughs> Isn't it because there's like a limit? You can only have five or... Okay, so I was asking you about this before the podcast, Carlos, because I'm confused. Don't we have a Ford GT already? We got a cheap fictional GT3 version of it from There's 2005. There's a GT2 version as well. Oh, yeah, that too. That's an old version of the car. You can see it's old. And so this is like an updated version of the car, like a 2017 model. It's a completely different car. Okay. And GTE is pretty much like what GTE but not really. Uh, or, GTE is, I think it's the the rules for Le Mans in real life. I believe they're the same spec as a GT3 car with different arrow, slightly. I'm not too sure. That's what I'm guessing. They're slightly quicker. Yeah, because of that. <laughs> A lot of people are comparing them that they're comparable to a GT1. Well, they they say that for the Le Mans race here, June 10th, they're hoping to have both cars done and in the race, and they're going to pull the Ford GT2 out of the race, but they're going to leave the two, the HPD, the two GT1 cars, one or both of the GTE cars if they get approved, and that will be the race for Le Mans this year. We did release them together. Forward because I'm not going to buy the 
You're not getting the Ferrari? Oh, no, I was, but you know, to get me back to a Ford GT, we're going to release them together. That'd be cool. Right. I said, I wonder how that's going to sound. You know, we were just talking about sound. I wonder how they're going to do that one. Such a unique sound. And so, next up, that spawned uh, Tony Gardner confirming on a different post, talking about what IMSA is going to look like for Season 3. Um, this is what they came up with. It's going to be this, the Corvette C7 Daytona prototype, then GTE Ferrari and Ford, and then GT3 Audi and Mercedes. All right, so that cleared up. Looks like they changed their mind on the GT3 because they were going to remove it for the IMSA. And it's cool. They're leaving it in now. I like that well, a lot better. Oh, it's way yeah. better. <laughs> yeah, I think there was some discussion about it, so. It's a Corvette, even though that's no longer used in that, but it's the real, you know, GTE class car. And not put them where they should be. Right. And you get people complaining that the Porsche isn't even there, even though it doesn't. Point. Right. This works so much better. Even, I don't know, it'd be nice to drive that for. I'm definitely going to. Right. I'm wondering how close they're going to be to the GT3 cars. Probably slightly quicker. Anything? I don't know if they'll get it. Maybe we'll find out. But they can't be quicker than the GT1s. Yeah, that's a problem there. They're, well, even then, the GT1s are still quite a bit quicker than GT3 is. Yeah, well, I mean, it, the GT1s are faster than the HPD, right? I don't think they're faster than the HPD. Quick. <laughs> are we talking like our HPD or... I don't know. Or are you talking about down the streets or overall? Just overall. My GT1s aren't as Gotcha. It's been a long time since I've run those series. I say GT1s are actually... They're, they're really quick. You can tell the difference right away. How much faster they are than a GT1. So they shouldn't have to worry about being any quicker than a one. Or something like that. I don't know. All right. Uh, the other piece of content they've uh, announced recently, Myrtle Beach Speedway. And you know about this track, don't you, Brian? I've never heard of it. Yeah, this is, uh, I guess I can call it my home track. It's the closest track to me. It's about 45 minutes away, but with traffic, it's about an hour. Um, I've been to a race or two here. It's really nice. It's a really cool little track. It's got a funky turn one. There's kind of like a little dog leg coming into turn one, so it's going to make it really fun. Right. Half mile oval. And it'll be in the June build. I'm really excited for this one. Um, other than Charlotte, Charlotte was the, the next closest one to me, or Rockingham probably, that's actually in iRacing. Um, but this one's real close. I, I really wish, I mean, I know why they don't do it, but I wish they would kind of give people, you know, the members a little bit of a heads up when they're going to be scanning stuff like this. I would have loved to come and watch them do it learn a little bit about it, and talk to some of them about how they get the information into the sim. Right. 
Well, Myrtle Beach Speedway. All right, what's next? Up next is the iRacing announces the iRacing 24 Hours of Le Mans. It will be June 10th at 1300 GMT, 9 a.m. Eastern. All right. Crap. Here we go, June 10th. Not even two weeks. I know, so that's why I brought that up. Are you ready, Carlos? And they're talking about putting those new cars in, so no, yep. everybody's going to be starting from scratch. Oh, so we're doing four drivers then. No, I don't know. I'm excited for this one. I wanted to run it last year, and I didn't. I'm so excited to run this race this year. Time to part, start with a roster. What car do you think you want to run, Carlos? Well, if we get that forward, I'm definitely running that. Or HVD. If you don't get the other cars in time, run the HVD. Since we pretty much know that car. Right. So I might be able to run a shift. I was thinking I have to work that day. But if I uh, if you time it where it's right after I get home from work, I could certainly run a shift or so. We'll probably have so, to go borrow Scotty for that one. Yeah, we'll have to round up some extra help, I'm sure. Get my usual. What happens? I guess it's time to start putting it together. Now, Tony Gardner uh, also posted up something else about this race. A lot of people are freaking out because the car, the two cars, the GTE, GTE cars, are still not completely approved by the manufacturers. So it's not completely clear that we're going to get them in time for the race. And so they came up with plan A and plan B. Plan A is if one or more of the GTE cars are approved, then they're going to run two classes. They're going to have the LMP2 with the HPD, and then they're going to have GTE with the Ferrari and or the new Ford GT. Option B, if neither of the GTE cars are approved, we will run it as previously planned with three classes, LMP2, LMP2 class with HPD, GT1 with Corvette and Aston Martin, and GT2 with the old Ford GT. So right now, with those two options, the only car that we know is going to be in the field is the HPD at this point. Yep. So if you're not running HPD, it's really hard to know which car to practice. So. I wish they would just keep the GT1 cars in there and just determine whether Why not? they put yeah. the, the two new GTE cars in or not. Or they might not just those and then have two GT3s. Final class. That's in the prototype, is it? The first. And it's pretty much what they just did with them, though. Right. Or the planning to do. Or would it too much to have five types of metal four? Or yeah, just just copy the new IMSA format that we all just liked and just switch out the C7 prototype with the HPD. Yeah, I like the HPD and it'd probably be my preference. I wouldn't have to buy a car, but 
I don't oh. care which car. I'm just ready to run it. I've seen a lot of hosted sessions up already starting practice for this. Uh, so you, you can get some laps if you want. Do that right up. Yeah. All right, let's jump into hardware. We got a new product called Helmet VR. Oh, my God. Okay. And it's, it's a, by a company called Formula VR. Now, I think we've seen one of these before, but it was like something that somebody put together, you know, in their house. So Now, this is a proper product that's actually going to be for sale. And it looks pretty damn good. I mean, it it's like a real race helmet, all black, with an orange stripe. And then it's got the goggles literally built into it. That's great. I don't see any pricing or anything like that yet. Oh, there it is. A rough price of... 2,459 pounds. And they can keep it. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. I can make one without an extra helmet I've got here. That's what duct tape's for. Right. I mean, is it an Oculus? I can't tell. I, it kind of looks like an Oculus. Yeah, it's Oculus. Okay. So you get a professional... How much is a professional helmet? You buy an Oculus. You put together... Put the two together. At this rate, just go get a motorcycle helmet. Something that's close enough. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a unique way it's mounted on there. I mean, it yeah. looks like they got it mounted really nice. If they could get it to where you could flip the visor up to move the Oculus out of your eyes so you could actually see everything in front of you and actually use your keyboard, then it's worth the money. Yeah, it doesn't look like it does that. When you put this helmet on, you're not going to see squat. <laughs> it really makes sense to have a helmet, though. Just put the goggles on. I mean, how hot, yeah, how hot is that? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, you get hot just wearing the Oculus, sitting here for a two-hour normal NIS race. Imagine sitting with that thing on for four and a half hours like last weekend. I get hot and sweaty without an Oculus. and I live in Phoenix, and... In the summer, it's just, it's hard to sit there for two and a half hours. You end up sweating like a pig, and um, I can't imagine wearing a helmet. Really, your eyes get all sweaty and a drop would fall. You'll end up crashing into somebody. You have no idea how many times I've had to sit there and move the Oculus off my eyes and get the sweat out of my eyes during a caution during our races. Now, do you have, like, a fan that can blow you in the face or something, or...? The way I've got the rig set up, I have it sitting right underneath an air conditioning vent, so I have it where it blows right on the back of my neck, so it kind of keeps me cool. Right. Well, pretty cool. I don't know if there's a market for helmet VR, but um, somebody's trying it. I mean, how many of these do you think they could sell? I can't imagine more than... 10 or a dozen people would ever buy such a thing. I well, don't see the market there yet. Guaranteed there'll be somebody, though. Always. All right, what's next?
the new Sim Experience AccuForce Pro V2. Holy cow, this is what I'm talking about, baby. I saw this the other week and I was pretty excited. And then I saw the price and it was like, it's not that bad. Yeah. Not terrible. It's really not. I mean, comparatively. Price. For something that high quality. For direct drive, you're not going to get anything direct drive for that price unless you build it yourself. Look how tiny the base is, too. Compared to the other one, it is. Well, that's what I mean, is the other one was this monster. I mean, it wouldn't even fit on my rig. This one looks like it'll fit. If I was in the market for a wheel right now, I'd be looking at this. This is awesome. I mean, AccuForce has always been, you know, top of the line direct drive wheel that you could get for the last, what, two or three years. And now they have the new version out. It's called the V2. The complete package is twelve ninety nine, thirteen hundred bucks. You can get the uh, wheel without the actual wheel for nine hundred dollars, or what they call a do-it-yourself package for seven hundred and four dollars. I really like the full package because I really like their wheel with all the buttons, the carbon fiber. Uh, shifter as well that's a really nice wheel i was just looking at that it's thick it's it's thicker than a normal sim wheel i mean it's it looks about as thick as a real steering wheel yep and the and the base is tiny it looks like it'll fit on my abutto uh, i think the wheel is detachable And on the website here, uh, it was actually isrtv.com uh, put up an article about this. At the bottom, it says, Sim Experience will choose five sim racers who will receive the AccuForce Pro V2 for testing. You pay shipping and a $699 refundable deposit and tax have to be paid by the tester. And Sim Experience expects testers to de dedicate themselves to the process so they can give useful feedback. So you can actually get an early trial if you're interested, I guess. And uh, this is a price reduction, too, over the version 1. They indicate, uh, they say, quote, by optimizing our supply chain, increasing our purchasing volume, removing the slippering USB hub, and giving the motor enclosure a fresh new look we're able to offer the v2 at 450 to 700 dollars less than the v1 which was at 1749 dollars without compromising performance but uh boy this would be really nice to match up to my hydraulic pedals i tell you what just glad this is out now because I'm hoping they might have this Black Friday sale and this might be going in the shopping cart. That's a lot of money. But it's a long way off. I can start saving. That's right.
I just love the wheel with all the buttons and stuff. It looks nice. Looks sturdy. It looks big. It doesn't look like a toy like the Logitech G27 does. Yeah, that's a proper piece of hardware. And also, uh, Sim Racing uh, Paddock actually did a YouTube video about this uh, wheel as well. Uh, just basically talking about it and uh, talking about the motor and just the upgrades and what this uh, wheel is all about. So if you yeah, check YouTube for Sim Racing Paddock and you'll find their video about it. They already have 6,184 views on that video. Very cool. I am, yeah, if I had the money right now, I'd be looking at this when it comes out for sure. Uh, like you said, Black Friday, that might be a good target. I mean, they just announced it. It's not actually for sale yet, so maybe the timing will be right for a fall introduction. they got to be pretty close to a release, though, because they've got all these images, and they're actually asking for testers, so they must be right. pretty close. Yeah, it sounds like they're in production or going to production soon, so... All right, uh, next up, final topic, actually. Real, r excuse me, real world racing. We talk about him every week, and it's uh, another week. Ty Majeski wins. Ty Majeski winning in the iRacing car. He uh, won uh, the Midwest Tour at uh, State Park Speedway in Wausau, Wisconsin, a quarter-mile asphalt racetrack. And then I think, and I don't have a link for it, but I think he won again. I think he's won twice since we've done the last podcast. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, he won again at Golden Sands, Wisconsin, uh, there were two races that day, and he won both of them. It's a the fastest one-third mile in the Midwest, they call it. And it was a truck race and a stock car race, and he won both of them. Boy's got skills. I, I'm telling you what. I mean, I can't even count how many wins we've talked about with this boy already this year. I mean, he is getting it done, folks. This is definitely going to be a NASCAR star. I can, you know, and it's it's kind of fun to watch him come up. You know, we were talking about Ty Majeski before he even got stepped foot in a stock car because of his oh, his highest ever I rating. You know, oval I rating is the highest of anyone. That's what he's going to drive then. I sixty for Roush Fenway. Yeah. Uh, he'll be in the Xfinity car. Because they show a test car over there. I hope he does well. I hope he gets a win in that race. Wouldn't that be something? You know, based on how he's been running, I don't see why you'd bet against him. Not that There's still a new series to him. him, though. It's just more than that. 
I know Roush is finally coming back, but the cars have only been good enough for sixth this year, so maybe he'll break that, make it a top five. Well, who's been running the Roush Xfinity? Oh, I don't know. I think it's like Bubba Wallace. Ryan. Yeah, Ryan Reed. He's had a win, didn't he? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I think he might have, but yeah, I mean, he's getting in a fairly decent team. He's going to have a good good car, so. I mean, just look at, uh, was it Bell? Uh, Charlotte. That's right. his first ever Xfinity start. We finished in the top five. Christopher Bell, yeah. Well, sure happy for Ty Majeski. He's doing a great job. Uh, winning everything in sight. Um, I mean, good job to Jack Roush, too, getting him, you know, in this development program where he's running every week, you know, and in some kind of series and just keeping the seat warm, you know. All right, let's jump into uh, final thoughts. Uh, Carlos, what do you got? None. All right. Lamar coming up. Oh, there you go. Time to start putting a roster together, I guess. All right, Brian Reeves, what do you got? I am excited for Lamar coming up. I'm excited to get back in the car and actually do some racing now that some things will fit into my schedule. And, uh, just really excited about Lamar. Yeah, I'm ready for Dover. I think uh, the last two weeks has been a long two weeks. We had the off week for the all-star race for NIS. Then we had the Coke 600 where it's a very long race. Not all of our teammates participate in that because they can't handle it like Carlos. Uh, it's just too long. Uh, I'm glad to get past that. We get back to our regular distance races. Um, Carlos, uh, you and I did some testing today on Dover. Uh, you got a setup. You got started. Uh, what do you think of it? Is it all right? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, we still need to do some longer run testing on it. But initially, I felt I felt pretty good with it. Uh, but I'll, we'll do that tonight and. Uh, and we'll run Dover this week. I'm excited for that. I'm excited to have some good results after a bad week at Kansas. Uh, a couple uh, almost top 10s there, 600. So I want to keep that momentum going. Uh, I'm ready to win at a non-restrictor plate track. And after seeing Tyler Conroy and how well he ran at, at Charlotte, I'm, I'm encouraged. Um, Pantover is a much different track. Yep. I'd like to see how he runs this weekend. Um, but yeah, he just gravitated to the front every time he ran. So I'd like to see him keep it up. Uh, don't forget, iRacers Lounge wants to know what our listeners want to hear. If you have an idea for a topic or want to get on the show, just hit us up at Tafosi Racing or iRacers Lounge. We're on Facebook and Twitter. And with that, we'll see you later. 
Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us at our YouTube channel at iRacers Lounge. Follow on Twitter and Facebook at iRacers Lounge and SoundCloud at iRacers Lounge. See you on the track. <laughs>